0: The Capital Weekly Podcast is a production of Open California and is sponsored by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations.
1: Greetings and welcome to Capital Weekly's podcast. I'm John Howard, and I'm joined by my colleague, Tim Foster. Hi, John. And our special guest today is Jonathan Brown of sextant strategies and Jonathan follows Calif- Falls California politics and knows all things polling. So Jonathan, thank you very much for being here today.
2: My pleasure. Thanks for having
1: me. Um, we were chatting a little bit earlier. One question I saw, there was the latest um, IGS poll is out and it mentioned that nearly 40% of the electorate has already voted in this recall by mail. And so I thought that was kind of 40% struck me as kind of low. Is that Consistent with what you know, or is it?
2: Well, the data that we're getting from the uh, Secretary of State's office, w- via the various county el- elections officials, is that we are somewhere in the uh, low in the low thirty percent in terms of ballots returned as a percentage of total registration. Uh, you know, polling is going to. Uh, be a little bit on the high side, just because the people who respond to polls are likelier to be voters than than not. But it's certainly not uh, outside of the realm of possibility that, with what we know of, of the ballots that are already in, plus those that are in transit, that that number is is a reasonable number.
1: Uh-huh. Elections typically have, uh, or special elections typically have lower lower participation, lower turnouts. But this has gotten such wide coverage media exposure it's been national uh are you expecting a larger turnout than you might otherwise have in a a other special election or is this going according to you know tradition
2: well it's certainly not following the pattern of special elections uh that we see at the local level which often have very low turnout but the the stakes are higher and i would compare this much more to the 2018 midterm elections where we saw much higher turnout than we generally see in midterms in California, uh, propelled by the the hyperpartisan nature of our national politics, and and the the motivation really being one of of sticking it to the other side. Uh, and in 2018, there were a lot of of Democrats who ordinarily might have sat out a congressional and fairly lackluster gubernatorial election. But they were angry about the 2016 outcome and they voted. And I think that we're still, we're still uh, seeing the, the high tides from the storm that was the Trump presidency.
1: Are you seeing any uh, greater participation by, by Democrats? There had been an issue before. When we talked to Marty DiCamillo a few weeks ago, he had mentioned that this was clear from his numbers that Democrats needed to get energized. Uh, and come out. Republic, or People supporting the recall were far more energized. You see that?
2: Yes and no. Um, and I think that uh, based on his numbers this morning, Mark's opinion may have changed a great deal. But there is this idea. We ask a question about motivation. And this is what I wrote about in, in Capital Weekly. Uh-huh. And we ask, how motivated are you to vote? And that is a an interesting measure to compare democrats to republicans and to independents but it's not it is very much overstated as a proxy for likelihood to vote as i wrote in in the piece you'd only need to be motivated for the amount of time it takes you to fill out your ballot after you've gotten a phone call or a piece of mail or seen a tv ad you didn't have to be very motivated to vote 30 seconds before that that inspiration to vote hit you. But also we're we're seeing that while Republicans are stratospherically uh, motivated to vote, plenty of Democrats will also describe themselves as highly motivated to vote. And when there are twice as many Democrats as Republicans as we have in this state, two thirds of of Democrats being highly motivated and 90 percent of Republicans being highly motivated, there's still more highly motivated Democrats in raw numbers. And so that's one, motivation, not a proxy for likelihood to vote. That's been proven, you know, academically time and time again. Uh, and just people are pretending that motivation can overcome a two to one registration advantage that Democrats hold in this state. And that's, you know, borders on the absurd.
0: So speaking of the, the Democrat versus Republican voter registration issue, are the independents moving? Have they stayed consistent through this process? Or are they moving more to one side or the other? Um, I, I think that it, we do see some movement. Uh, I mean,
2: just looking at the the this morning's Berkeley IGS release relative to their late July release, uh, we do see where they had had the independent the uh, no party preference voters at fifty to forty six no. Uh, now they have it at sixty four to thirty four no. Um, so that that is movement. That's, of course that's That is that is movement. Um, I think other polls have been have been more consistent than that. Uh, but it's not, you know, that 50 to 46 number was not at all consistent with what we have seen from NPP voters in general elections, where they have been breaking much more heavily towards Newsom and Biden in the last two general elections. This now looks a lot more like that uh, than their earlier results did.
1: Jonathan, you think the um, motivation of Republican, or excuse me, of recall supporters is is purely partisan? Republicans don't like Democrats, therefore they're going to vote for anybody but a Democrat. They don't want them in. Or is the the pandemic playing a big role in that? The wearing the mask you see all the time. Uh, Elder, for example, you know, it's like this is some sort of a dictatorship in Sacramento, requiring people to wear masks and take what seems to me to be pretty common sense health uh, safeguards. So, what's motivating people to come out and toss Newsom if they, if that's what they feel they need to do?
2: Well, I think that it's important to remember that the recall was filed before the pandemic began, and this was just sort of Republicans, uh, you know, and obviously it was overwhelmingly a, a Republican effort to to start the recall, uh, complaining about immigration and yeah. It, it really, you know, it's become a pandemic thing. And, and frankly, much to the, to the detriment of the very slim chances the recall had of passing from the outset, because now they find themselves uh, making arguments that are broadly rejected by the majority of voters with regard to uh, masking in schools and, uh, and, you know, vaccinations for, uh, you know, vaccinations being safe and effective uh, public health measures. So, uh, you know, I think that what we're seeing is Republicans lashing out, generally, not unlike uh, a toddler finding, you know, any reason in the moment to be upset about something. Mm -hmm. I mean, what we've learned here is that motivation is great for qualifying a recall. But, uh, you know, it, it's it's very different as as a function of, of actually winning an election when you are outnumbered two to one.
0: When I saw that there was a, a story by Laurel Rosenhall that just ran in Cal Matters about the mad moms are calling them and people who are very frustrated that they have children that are ready to go back to school and they were not able to go to school and I think the recall side was really hoping to motivate them and get them out to vote and get them angry at Newsom. But at a certain level, they're, they may be angry, but it's, at least according to this article, they're not angry enough to throw the baby out with the bathwater and get someone like Larry Elder who is going to eliminate any safeguards. Uh, and that's an interesting thing. You get people that are angry, but they're not angry enough. And it does seem just, kind of watching the news and watching the responses that you have a small portion of the state that is really angry about everything. And then sort of the average person is frustrated because I think the average person is always frustrated with their government. It's the nature of being American. Uh, but are they frustrated enough to go with someone who is, you know, very different than their normal political affiliation and their normal kind of attitudes? I mean, I think that uh, the, the one, the
2: one, when the recall was was being circulated, the one issue that seemed to be the the big wild card was if schools could did not open on time this fall because I mean I'm I've got two kids in school, uh, in in public school and I you know if they were still home I I, I don't know I might have voted for the recall just because I wouldn't have known the difference between what yes and no meant anymore because I'd just been so bleary eyed from dealing with with Zoom and, and all of the different software packages that you have to help your kids with. Uh, the fact that schools are open and operating reasonably well, and certainly compared to the horror stories that we hear about uh, in the states where the outbreak is is much more severe, where, you know, you have tens of thousands of kids quarantined and, you know, in Miami, where you had, thir- I believe it was 13 teachers dying of COVID, uh, you know, I-, I think that when you put everything in context, it it really has worked to the Newsom team's benefit. And yesterday's announcement by the president, I think he's drawing a very stark line between uh, the majority of people who want uh, who who want to get back to normal through vaccination and masks and basic public health methods and those. Who are being obstinate on those things, often using uh, false information to to justify their their uh, positions, and I think that that also the, the the rage that you hear from those on the anti-vaccine side alienates. Uh, a lot more people than it uh, than it brings in. And I happen to do the polling for Assemblywoman Cotty Petrie Norris in Orange County and newly elected County Supervisor Katrina Foley, who in both of them represent Huntington Beach as parts of those districts. And Huntington Beach is supposedly the, the, the heart of the anti-mask, anti-vaccine uh, movements, at least in Southern California. And the polling consistently showed, despite the volume uh, the you know, as a a function of of being loud, that most people in those in that community supported masks, you know, support vaccines. You know, and there has been this sort of, you know, the media is paying way too much attention to the minority on this simply because they're loud. And I mean, I'm not a member of the media. I don't know what else their, their reasoning could be, but it is it does not match with where public opinion is.
1: Does um, the future of Kevin uh, Faulkner, uh, what is that future? It seemed going into this race that the former San Diego mayor was uh, the f- really one of the only serious candidates in the whole thing. And he has political experience. Obviously, he's viewed as a moderate generally, not always, but generally. What happened? What happened to him in this campaign? And what's it mean for his next, assuming he wants to run for governor statewide, which is the assumption?
2: I mean, imagine that the Republican Party of California operated as a political party is supposed to, which is to match, you know, to find the areas of overlap between its agenda and where the majority of people are uh, and, and try to move in that direction. If they had made Kevin Faulkner the only option on the recall, and made it a de facto general election they just kept everybody else off the ballot. you know it would have been far more challenging to say that the, the you can 't risk changing you know changing governors uh, at this at this time, but now we 've learned, and, and I think that this is not a big surprise. Kevin Faulkner needs to have the field cleared for him because he can't win he can't be at the top republican vote getter in any statewide primary if somebody trumpier runs against him i mean you know the the emperor wears no clothes here he you know i think that his likely single digit uh finish well behind that of larry elder means that he has, you know he has to figure out a way to make himself credible again because I mean, how does he be, you know, Larry Elder, you know, Larry Elder is the big winner of this recall, you know, <laughs> whether he becomes governor or not. And frankly, he probably is a bigger winner not becoming governor. I mean, he has established himself on the national scene uh, as part of, of, of the the movement that's, you know, owning the libs, you know, which is there seems to be their only animating uh, uh, motivation, Uh I, I don't see where, you know, he, he's going to have to take a break and and, and regroup and, and figure out if he wants to have a political career at the statewide level, because he looks like he's just run into a brick wall.
1: The Republican Party as an institution uh, in California seems to be scattered, weak, disorganized. Uh, people come in with money and they basically run the table as far as the election goes. And I'm wondering, in the future, are we looking at Republicans going more to talk show hosts, to radio personality, TV personalities, celebrities. Is that kind of the is that sort of the future of Republican candidates in California, more the Hollywood angle as far as opposed to political experience?
2: I I think you certainly could. Uh, I mean, Carl DeMeo, uh, you know, wields a lot of power. I mean, he started as as an elected uh, in San Diego and then you know, moved into, into uh, talk, you know, being a talk show, a talk show guy, and he seems to be more, more influential uh, in that, uh, in that arena. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, frankly, as I said, the Republican Party of California is just not operating in the way that an organization trying to win elections would behave. And, and that's not, you know, they're at the mercy of their activists and their activists are not interested in moving to where the voters are. They just want to keep raging against the dying of the light. And, uh, you know, I mean, things will, will come around at some point. They always do politically, but it, it looks like it's a long time in the wilderness for them.
0: But given how nationalized California politics have become, I mean, could they really jump that divide? Could they brand themselves as the California Republican Party enough that people wouldn't just automatically associate them with the extremes that you see in the national party that are very common in most states. You know I mean? I think a Trump Republican in most of the states is probably a pretty good characterization of a Republican voter or of a, you know, a right side of the, of the ticket voter in california that's not really true i mean you, you point out that i think what is a republicans are one out of four uh you know it, not a lot of the elected but i just don't know if you could run as a california uh republican like i'm thinking of neil kashkari who did not do particularly well ran exactly what you're describing but still went nowhere
2: no i, I mean we have uh a state that is not like the rest of the country you know we have a two to one advantage for democrats and you know you can be in a state in the upper midwest with a small uh democratic plurality like say a michigan and try and and you know just brute force your way into winning an election uh and you know but we see that's just not possible here i mean i'm i'm from the south my my poor mother lives as a, a liberal in in louisiana and she understands that you know in the, in a race for the united states senate for example you know she you know she has no real ability to to support a winning candidate that you know the only reason they have a democratic governor right now is because they do uh, off uh, they do odd year gubernatorial elections and there, you know, there was a corrupt Republican who refused to get off the ballot. And so, I mean, that's what California Republicans are deep South Democrat. They, you know, and they can pretend otherwise, but they are not competitive unless and until they begin to field candidates that are able to move their activists more towards the middle rather than kowtowing to the activists to, to be able to win the primaries. They need to take a much more uh, aggressive role in yeah. clearing fields for candidates. But I, I don't really think that they have the, the buy-in or the muscle to do so.
1: Have you seen any numbers? Have you come across any numbers that sort of show any movement at all towards, towards the center or no?
2: No. I mean, they... You know, people who still identify as Republicans in this state, uh, you know, think the vaccines have microchips in them and, uh, and Trump was, was, was swindled out of, uh, out of his rightful election.
1: What do you think happens uh, with Newsom, assuming he survives this, then he's, got, he's obviously going to go up for re-election, uh, his gubernatorial re-election. How does this play for him? Does this help him? Does it hurt him? I mean, it helps him because he survives. And maybe by a significant margin, does it hurt him because he has this in the background and a lot of people don't like him? How's that work, do you think?
2: You know, I think that uh, I think that really it's not as related as people want to to make it. There will you know, we are we, these elections are nationalized and we're going to have yeah. congressional elections on the ballot in in 2022 Uh that if 2018 is any indicator, are going to be driving turnout much more than than uh, Newsom's reelection is, and people, you know, Democrats will be voting D and Republicans will be voting R. If uh, independents continue to follow the trend they've been on, they will favor uh, they will favor Democrats across the board. He might have some attrition there, but they're not numerous enough to really. Uh, make a difference unless they break overwhelmingly uh, against Democrats, which seems, you know, which would be uh, a, a significant deviation from the current trends. So I, I don't know that it has a whole lot to do with anything. If he wins a resounding uh, a resounding victory, I think uh, it may stop money from coming in on behalf of. Of the Republican candidates, but I, you know, I think the Democratic vote is pretty much maxed out right now in the in the low to mid sixties, mm-hmm. where where Newsom was and where Biden was. I, I you know, I think just having an R next to your name on the ballot is going to get you, you know, gives you a floor of thirty five percent and a ceiling of of thirty nine percent. You know, forty percent. That's just the 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 way that the partisanship and the nationalization of our politics has impacted California elections.
1: Jonathan, you mentioned earlier, um, uh, re- refer to the media earlier, there's a propensity to cover candidates that make a lot of noise, however serious they may be. Elder, I think, because of his talk show background, obviously this was one of them. Kevin Paffrat, uh who for me was entirely obscure. He's a venture County real estate investor. And I guess he has, uh, you know, he does, he offers financial advice to people how to get rich, that kind of stuff, but totally marginal, it seems. Yet they got all this coverage, of profiles of PathRath profiles of what's going on here. Well, I guess that's my question. Do you have any advice for the media how to cover this stuff better? You know, polling is, you know,
2: not all polls are created equal. And uh, Survey USA is a company that provides polling to media outlets around the country. And they did a poll uh, this summer that had the recall ahead by 11 points. Uh, subsequently, they've done, a, they've done a poll showing the, the recall losing and, and basically with a long memo saying, well, we may have made a bunch of mistakes in that last poll, but it got a bunch of coverage. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that they did that was absolutely unconscionable from a from a professional perspective is in their question about who would you vote for on question two um, uh, the the candidate question they only gave they gave a, a a group of candidates, I think it's seven or eight candidates, all of whom were Republicans, except for Pathrath, who was given as the only Democrat. You were not given the option to not vote, as the Newsom campaign has asked you, and so yeah, he was suddenly uh, right near elder. But that was because Democrats had nowhere else to go, and then he got invited to a debate, and and it 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 absolutely uh, boggles the mind that uh that this was sort of done unquestioningly and i saw you know really credible uh political reporters in the state describing pafrath as the leading democrat and it was it was comical i mean it was so you know all based on one very bad poll mm-hmm. and you know they should talk to other pollsters uh you know they they should understand what the differences are between two different kinds of polls i mean there's this narrative out there Based on the five thirty-eight chart of recall polling, where the early polls all had the recall failing by a wide margin, then it narrows to a dead heat from you know basically over the month of August. Well, there were almost no polls done in August. That Survey USA poll and several other polls came out around that time, each of which had some serious methodological. Uh, questions. And, and, and now we have a bunch of polls again, now that the fall has come. And now that we know what the electorate is starting to look like, people are adjusting what their likely voter models are. And so, you know, it, it looks like this has been a dramatic, dramatic election where there was a period of time where the recall really had a chance. And then the, the campaign kicked into gear and, and really got ahead. But if you if you look at PPIC, You know if you compare the same poll using the same methodology across a period of time there's been no movement they've had uh, the recall failing you know by you know 15 18 points in that in that high teen range for you know over a period of of four six months and you know so people compare different polls and they see, oh, well, this one has a very different, different answer than this one. So there must be movement. And it's not unlike trying on clothes. And you try on one pair of pants, you know, that's a, you know, a 32-inch waist, and it's a little too small. And then you try on another pair of pants from a different brand that's also marked 32, and it's too loose, you know, you have different. You know, we we've all had that experience. At least, you know, back when I had a 32 inch waist back in the, in the 90s. Um,
1: well, now they make stretch stretch waist, so it's a lot easier now.
2: Yeah. So, I, you know, listen, I, I have you know I have sympathy for the news media. They're in a they're in a tough position, and the one way to generate clicks is to is to have a story to tell, and it's a much more compelling story to say that oh, this recall, you know. Really got close, and now they're 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 running away with it. And it certainly doesn't hurt that the easiest the easiest target for uh, for clicks, I think, are what I call bedwetting liberals, who are looking for a reason to panic uh, at any at any moment um, about their uh, electoral hopes. And that's what they've done. But I don't really believe that there has been a whole lot of movement. In this in this election. And, you know, the evidence of that comes from the Berkeley IGS poll that, you know, that that is, you know, their their July poll was the recall only failing by three points and now is failing by uh, by uh, 38 to 60 <laughs> 38 38 to 60 margin. Their results for Democrats and Republicans are basically identical across those two polls. They changed their sample model from being plus nine in July to being plus nineteen in the poll release this morning. So the movement is a mechanical movement in the number of Democrats that they they perceive as likely voters. And that's always been the story of this election. It's not been a persuasion election. It's been a mechanical turnout operation. And, you know, I've always had a lot of faith in 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 the Newsom team, you know. I, I know those folks. I don't work with them all the time, you know, often, but I, I worked with them enough to know that, that these are, are smart and savvy people. They're not going to take anything for granted. And so you look at uh, Berkeley IGS in, uh, in July had Democrats against the recall 91 to 6. Now it's 93 to 6. No movement. Uh, Republicans in their, in their July poll were 95 to three in favor of the recall. Now it's 92 to seven, maybe a slight decline, you know, in support. But that's, you know, easily within the margin of error. So where's the movement? I mean, the independents, they do show significant movement, that they're, uh, they're the smallest piece of the electorate, that, you know, you can't go from, you know, having this sort of dramatic uh, change in your results and, and say that there is movement uh, when Democrats and Republicans are exactly where they were uh, in your last survey. It's, it's in the composition electorate. And in fairness to those folks, they made a, it's not unlike the pandemic. In the early days of the pandemic, scientists made assumptions based on the scant amount of information they had and, and, past, you know, and past knowledge as they learned more their assumptions changed and and their advice changed as a result. Berkeley IGS is doing the same thing as they, they made, they made some early assumptions that have not been borne out in what we're seeing in the uh, return. So they changed. And, and that's, that's what you're supposed to do. I, I might argue that they should be a little more upfront about the extent to which they changed, but you know, the, the idea is to get it right based on what we know at the moment. And that's what they've done.
1: Well, one last question, Jonathan, the, uh, putting uh, putting out your crystal ball here. How do you think the final, what do you think the final results in this are going to be in terms of assuming that he survives, that the governor survives? By what margin do you think? 10.60, 20,
2: 30? I I think that we are probably looking at a margin uh, in, the, in the mid to high teens. I, I, I suspect that we will see a little bit more Republican- uh, Turnout uh, in you know now that the in-person voting has started that you know that's sort of a, another feature of the Trump uh, effect where now we you know Republicans used to be our best male voters and now they think mail voting is corrupt uh, and only votes cast at the polls on election day should be counted uh, you know so I, I, I think that we will we will see some some leveling off of things, but uh, it, it's sort of the, the margin here, I don't think is is going to be emblematic of much. But there there will be in the national media, this attempt to say that, oh, Gavin Newsom got 62% in 2018, and he only got, you know, 56% in the recall, we're seeing real, you know, we're seeing a real decline in his support, and he could be vulnerable. And I, and I just don't think that comparing Uh, an isolated special election to a a general election is a very apt comparison. And again, this, you know, this, this operation to, you know, on on the governor's behalf is a mechanical one. It's not a persuasion. It's not a persuasion piece. It's all geared at turning out Democrats to vote because if, if enough of them vote, it doesn't matter what happens with anybody else. That's just, the fact you know this is the state of 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 play and you know in california where you have twice as many democrats as republicans
1: great jonathan brown thank you so much thanks for joining wait i think i think jonathan brown is going to join us for our worst
0: week in california politics segment the worst week worst week week. sure why not (laughs) who
1: is the who had the worst week in california politics
2: well, the discussion stole my, uh, stole my my thunder here, which is, uh, uh, you know, I think Kevin Faulkner really leaves this election, uh, you know, very, very damaged politically. Uh, he was somebody who has been considered the Republicans' best chance for, for winning a statewide election of the current crop of candidates. And as I said earlier, I, I think that the only way he gets to a, a general election is if somebody Clears the field of anybody Trumpier than him, uh, and I, I just don't see that happening. He's going to have to, if he wants to be a statewide elected official. Uh, I, I don't see a path for him in the near term, short of of leaving the Republican Party and making a, a real, uh, meaningful break and finding a you know a race that that uh, is going to be a, a better fit for him.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, that's that's the Anne-Marie Schubert model, a longtime Republican, and she left the party and has now uh, announced candidacy for attorney general as an independent. Because
2: of yeah, that. Chad Mays, I would argue, at, at a much smaller level, has done that uh, successfully uh, in that Inland Empire Assembly District.
1: Fair enough. Thank you so much, Jonathan Brown, for your time. Thanks for joining us. We're going to do this again when we can. And, Tim, thank you so much. Hey, thanks, John. My pleasure. Thanks, guys.
0: The Capital Weekly Podcast is produced by Tim Foster for Open California. If you enjoyed today's episode, we hope you'll go onto iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a positive review. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you next week. The Capital Weekly Podcast is supported by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations.